Welcome to the Abortion Recovery Network podcast. We are group leaders helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversations. Your hosts are Linda Keener Thomas, founder and board chair of the National Memorial for the Unborn, and Mindy Lefeshore, founder of An Even Place Virtual Abortion Recovery Ministry. As I began An Even Place in January 2022, I wanted to talk with other abortion recovery ministry leaders to share the vision I had and learn whatever I could about abortion recovery ministry. As I talked to some amazing women who I now call friends, I was surprised to learn they were as eager as I was to hear from other leaders. An idea was birthed to start a podcast of leaders by leaders for leaders from all over to share experiences, ideas, challenges, joys, and learn from one another while doing your laundry, cooking your dinner, or driving in your car. Linda and I met the fall of 2022. I shared this idea with her and she jumped on board. Our desire is to allow you to enter our conversations with other abortion recovery leaders, learn the nuts and bolts of how they lead their groups, and connect with one another to build a strong network of leaders helping leaders reach the millions suffering with an abortion experience. Hello, Sylvia. We are back. It's so good to see you again. It's been so long, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you don't mind, Sylvia, just quickly give us the grocery line summary of your story and how Arise Daughter got started in case someone's just tuning in for the first time today. All right. Thank you for having me today, Mindy and Linda. Uh, So yes, uh, Rise Daughter is a post-abortion mentoring ministry equipped by Holy Spirit to help women and men heal, train, and serve in the kingdom of God. How did that start? Well, it started with my healing. And that came about 40 years after my abortion. Um, I was 19 when I had my abortion in college and really pretty much stuffed uh, every emotion about it down for about 20 years. Um, At that point, uh, I was able to ask God for forgiveness for my abortion, but there were still some things that were not yet healed. And I didn't know that there was a difference yet until I started bumping up against some of those things like Mother's Day and, you know, uh, you know, anniversaries and things. And then I knew something wasn't quite right. But there was a time uh, once I moved to Florida, that God showed me that the that the healing could continue. Not only had I been forgiven, but there was also an opportunity to heal. And I didn't know that was even a thing. So when I began to um, answer God about healing, he showed me uh, a curriculum called Forgiven and Set Free through a wonderful organization here in Tampa called Healing Grace. And they walked me through the healing process. And after that uh, is when Arise Daughter started as its own aftercare organization. So that's how I got where I am now. Lovely. That is so lovely. Thank you so much, Sylvia, for I was taking a note when you finished and I expected you to keep going. And so I'm so sorry. (laughs) So that was a little awkward. Okay. So we all can make mistakes. There's mine on recording. (laughs) All right. Well, we're talking about excuse me, um, chapter 15 out of the leadership lessons of Jesus called painful attacks. The, the verse out of this is when his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said he's out of his mind, Mark three twenty one, And they're speaking of Jesus in that. And so on page 44 of this book by it's by, uh, Bob Briner and Ray Pritchard, um, the last 
uh, paragraph, basically last sentence, it says leadership at the highest level almost always demands such a compelling vision that even those closest to us may question our wisdom, even our sanity. And I think that's a huge statement. You know, has there ever been a time in your life, ladies, that I'm, I'm kind of put you on the spot. So, um, that you ever had a vision for something that people are like, are you doing what? How are you going to uh, do that? I, I'll jump right in, Linda. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, a rise daughter. That's exactly um, that example. You know, mm. when God showed me that it would be like a mansion with many rooms, and I would be like house mother, and women would come, and they'd find a room, and they'd get comfortable, and they'd get healed, and then we'd all come together. And sh- I was like, I don't even know what that means, Lord. What You're going to have to give me a little bit more than that. And then when he began to give me more than that, and I began to share more than that. People looked at me just like I probably looked at God, like, "What? I don't, I don't, I don't get that. That that's nothing I've ever seen before." And um, and so just living it out now and watching it come to fruition, I guess it's its own. You know, they say you you, you know prophecy proves itself by coming true. But um, I don't think everybody is going to get your vision, but that doesn't mean obviously that it's not valuable because of who gave it to you. So you just have to sit, sit squarely in it and allow God to reveal it. That's, that's my thought on it. Linda, what do you think? Oh, I so totally agree. Um, and I know having been a director of a pregnancy center, um, that's a pretty easy sale to church, church folks, you know, saving babies, right? Um, but when you get into the abortion recovery work, it's, it's a little harder. People look at you cross-eyed and they're like, well, isn't that approving of abortion? Which is, of course, we know it is not, but, uh, God redeems what Satan means for evil for good. And, uh, we are looking for a mighty harvest, um, that can come out of abortion, you know, and, and you share those visions, but a lot of people still will not get it. And, um, and I think this chapter is right. Sometimes those people are as close as your own family. And, um, I know even on a very personal level, um, when I married, um, I was giving my post-abortion testimony quite publicly. And, um, then once I started having kids and kind of got out of it, took a little sabbatical, um, and then started getting back into it, um, even my own husband was like, well, I thought we were going to put that behind us now, you know, and it was hard for him to understand how the power of our testimony is, is delivering other people, you know, and so I think we get questions um, even from those very close to us sometimes that don't understand uh, what it is we're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. That's good. And that goes right back, goes into the next statement that is in page 45 at the very, very top. And it says, if no one whom I respect will question this decision, how can I be sure it's right? Is total agreement to our vision, our idea, always the best, always what's needed? I mean, I know as I've been um, starting an even place, there's been some that have questioned, you know, some parts of my vision, like you're doing too much. You shouldn't do that. And Mm. I can't, I struggled with that. I really did because I didn't want to burn out. Right. I had been there and I didn't want to burn out. I didn't want to um, be outside of the will of God again. I thought, well, okay, maybe I'm wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is I wasn't, I just didn't have it hundred percent. Right. 
So I think there's also this vision that we get that maybe isn't exact, maybe isn't hyper detailed. We, and then we just kind of get an idea of what that should look like based on maybe what others are doing, right. Or what makes sense to us. And then as we go, God comes and starts to refine and define, and we just keep going. We're like, okay, so that was it all along. It was just, I took it a different direction than God took it. I don't know if that's making sense, but. um, No, I feel like it's making total sense. I think, you know, when people see you um, doing something as, as Linda just said, as, 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 as different as what they expect from you, then it can, it can rub them the wrong way because they have their expectations of their relationship with you. Um, You know, maybe there's a little bit of, um, of a desire to kind of keep you to themselves and they don't want you out there that publicly. I know for husbands, a lot of it is protection, right? Sure. I know my husband was really nervous at first. You know, he didn't know who would come against me, what they might say. Um, And as my protector, you know, that came up first for him. But I had to remind myself that success for me was going to have to be measured by obedience to the call. Mm. Mm. And that meant that... um, yeah, he God would have to help me work it out with the people closest to me, but I had to be obedient to the call, even if that meant I went alone. If that meant I went alone, then that's that's what that meant. So, you know, thankfully he hasn't asked me to go it alone, but um, there may be times that we might have to because it's just too big or too much for people. And the other thing I think too many you just mentioned is that the vision can be big the actuation of it though can be small and step-by-step. And for some of us as leaders, it's that patience. It's that patiently waiting for God to show us how it will be stepped out because we, we think it's all supposed to happen because he gave it all to Mm -hmm. us at one time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And so how does opposition to a vision strengthen it? I mean, you, especially if you have opposition from your husband's, that's not something I had opposition on. I had the opposition from others outside, but it's still, how does that strengthen it? I mean, I can answer that question in that it strengthened it for me because it forced me to the feet of Jesus with, is this really of you? I mean, it was almost a Gideon, please, God, I got to know this is from you versus my own designs and my own thinking, my own imagination, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he just totally continue to verify and show me and show me and show me step-by-step as I got very specific with my prayers and he started answering those prayers. And um, so I just want to hear you guys on that. I I don't think either Sylvia or I are saying go against our husbands. (laughs) No, no. I think we were just saying that it, it took some explaining it. And I think it does force us to be able to articulate what it is we're doing and and be able to to give that vision um in a different maybe different words to help somebody else understand it so that strengthens strengthens us i think well if i imply that anybody should go against their husbands that wasn't my implication no, no. at all <laughs> but it's just sometimes the opposition against what we're doing even yeah. from those as close to us in our in our closest you know spaces our husbands mm-hmm. um should force us back to the feet of Jesus, you know, mm. which will, mm. if it's from him, only strengthen it. And I guess that's what I was getting at. So I do want to make sure I wasn't. And I think applied yeah, it too, to a situation that's happening a lot for, for those of us or those that are, that are listening to us that are working under a pregnancy center. 
Mm. And sometimes we're coming up with the, with new things we want to do in the abortion recovery work, and the pregnancy center's not buying into it. Mm. Uh, so that's that's an area that we could actually come against a, a little bit of opposition, or at least a lack of support. Maybe is a better way to say it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think that strengthens us to step out maybe on our own. I know a lot of people are. Mm. Mm. That's a good. That's point. a good point. Yeah. I know Proverbs uh, 27, 17 says iron sharpens iron, right? So mm. to both of your points, you know, we have to be willing to speak the vision um, and with wisdom, as Linda was saying, and as you were saying, Mindy, with wisdom, the words maybe become more refined, better focused, but um, we have to not be afraid to speak the vision um, as we understand it at that time. And knowing that when we have trusted advisors around us, they can help us sharpen it. You know, they can help us refine and focus it. Um, but, you know, you don't want to bottle it up and just, like you said, try to be lone, lone rangers on this. And I, I definitely agree with you guys on that. Even your, even the people closest to you have to hear it sometimes over and over and over and over and over. And That's over true. Again, That's true. You know, before they recognize just how passionate and how committed you are. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking of David and Nathaniel, because we're talking about how opposition can strengthen our vision, but sometimes our vision isn't of God. And David had a vision to build a temple. And he said to Nathaniel, I want to build a temple for God, a house for God. I am in a house. I want him to have a house. And Nathaniel, Nathaniel, his prophet was like, oh, do all that's in your heart. Go do it. And he was, you know, totally encouraging. And that night, God didn't meet David in a dream. He met Nathaniel. And said, you better go tell David that this is not for him to do. He has blood on his hands. This is for his son to do. I will raise up for myself. And he, and um, so Nathaniel had to go back and tell him, you're not doing this. And so, but the vision was still set. It wasn't that God, that David's vision was wrong. It was that it was not right for him. Because because Solomon actually built the temple, and David, if you read through all First um, Samuel, you see that he provided all the provisions. He was starting to store up and save up all these provisions for Solomon so that he could build the temple. And Solomon wanted it bigger and grander, and he got more and more provisions. But um, so I think there's that aspect too of understanding that some, that's why that that's why the opposition is so important. I think for us to go back to God and really go, okay, Lord was this actually from you or was this an idea that I just had that's not from you that's going to distract me and take me off the wall like Nehemiah or is this an idea that actually is for somebody else and I'm going to help maybe I maybe I get the opportunity to help prepare them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. let's see how sure can we how can we be sure we are humble to the opposition reflective in prayer focused on God and still loving toward those who oppose us you know, I don't know about you ladies. I'm just going to answer my own question here <laughs> real quick. <laughs> and I'm not going to answer with the right answer. I'm going to tell you what I do. <laughs> so I'm just going to be real. Um, I get real, you know, like, don't tell me not to do that. Don't tell me I can't do that. Don't tell me. That's how I initially get. And so I can, I can say, actually, I guess I am going to answer this question that if you, if you get like that, when somebody gets op opposed to your vision and your idea, then um, you're not being humble. 
And I could say that because that's how I am. And so generally the humble, the humbleness comes later after I realize I've been hard hearted and wrong and argumentative and con- confrontational and then get back mm-hmm. into prayer. So I'd like to hear from you guys on that. <laughs> I, I think I, you know, I'd probably be telling the biggest fib on the, on the planet. If I said, I didn't get some of that as well, Mindy, there are times mm-hmm. when you just, you feel like, you know, your way is the right way and everybody else should hit the highway if they're not agreeing with that. Um, <laughs> but then God was showing me as I was thinking about this yesterday, Matthew mm. 6, 33, which says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and, and the rest that goes with that. Um, and it goes right back to what you were saying, you know, hitting the, hitting the, hitting the knees, uh, going to the foot of the cross again and, and seeking his kingdom first, not your kingdom, you know, um, and we are really, really quick to be the kings and queens of our ministries. Yeah. And that is not the intention. It was not from the beginning when it was given to us. And it is not in the carrying out of the mission. So, yeah. Hmm. You know, and that really goes with what's on um, page 45 of this book. It says, and all of us naturally need to be followers of the Lord Jesus. In God's sight, leaders are not more highly valued than followers. He loves us all. And doesn't matter if we've been given some leadership role in the earth, we're still a follower of Jesus. Right. You know, so under Jesus, we're all still followers. You know, there's an interesting story about King David um, when his son Absalom was going to come and try to usurp the kingdom from him. And instead <laughs> of fighting, which David could have done easily, he actually packed up and left. He did. And he said, if God has removed the leadership from me, then let God give it to Absalom. And God reinstated David. He wasn't through with him yet. And I think holding that leadership in an open hand and realizing it's not about us, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, and if there may come a day when we do surrender it, you know, but keeping it in an open hand, I think that's a powerful um, example. I love that, Linda. And that actually goes into my next question. What are some indications that we're not following Jesus within our heart? I mean, first, it's going to be internal before it starts manifesting outside because everything we do is sourced from our heart. So what are some indications that we're not holding that leadership with an open hand? I think for me, it goes back to love. You know, are we loving people as God loves? Um, And if we are not, then we are not of God. This is that's the word. I'm not making that one up. (laughs) but um and then jesus said you know if you love me follow my commandments so what are those you know to treat people as the way you want to be treated uh to love god love others um forgive so that you can be forgiven again these are little mile markers as we're going along if if we're struggling with any of these commands um then yeah who are we really following what what is our mandate you know, it has to be the mandate of Christ. That's and good. when people attack us, how do we respond to them? And it doesn't tell mm. us on this verse when, when Jesus' family came and, and said that he's out of his mind, doesn't really give us a lot of, of how he responded to them. But we do know that one of his brothers, James, followed him later. We knew he cared for his mother on the cross. He was still concerned about his mother. So, um we have to assume that he he didn't take the attack personally and that he still reached out and loved and and did what he needed to for them yeah i love that 
we're loving in return and not becoming defensive. Yeah. You know, I just briefly looked up that verse just to see what he did next. And in Mark, he, um, it says some others came up to him and said, he has, um, Beelzebub by the ruler of demons he casts out demons and um and then it says he called them to himself and said to them in parables how can satan cast out satan he didn't even address those who were against him he he gathered those who were with him and taught them the truth hmm. i don't know how that applies to us particularly as leaders but i think that was uh, that's pretty um impactful in the sense that he didn't he didn't attack he didn't go back at them you know he didn't do a mic drop moment he did he could have i mean he was god he could have said almost anything that would have just been like oh, i can't believe he just said that you know pointed exposed their own hearts he could have you know done a lot of things that he we see him do in other um other instances but in this one at least in this point in mark he just gathered his followers and started teaching them the truth how can satan cast out satan that would be a, a house divided against itself but on page 46, it says tragedies occur when we fail to take on leadership responsibilities that we are clearly called to fulfill, or when we pursue or demand leadership responsibilities without objectively and prayerfully examining our ability to lead. And I, um, you know, this, this, I failed in this at the pregnancy center. This is where I failed big time because I was taking on, I didn't take on the leadership responsibilities I was supposed to take on initially. And that was early abortion recovery. I did it a little bit. Um, and I took on leadership roles that I shouldn't have taken on. If that makes sense. So I didn't take on what I was supposed to, and I took on what I wasn't supposed to. And it's not that people weren't asking me to take these on. I had the, the, confirmation the affirmation of my leadership saying yeah take this position right so it wasn't like people were opposing me to take it on but i certainly was doing more than i should have and i was doing it from a wrong motive i wasn't seeking jesus i wasn't being a follower of jesus in those moments i was being a follower of people's praise of myself my desires you know i was being a follower of everything but jesus in those moments let's just talk about that a little bit well, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like you just you just talked about it a little bit, Mindy, uh, in Did terms I? of, yeah, I feel like you touched on that quite a bit. Um, what it looks like to not answer God's call, but to answer man's call. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. You know, and yeah. that's what led to my burnout is I was doing everything what I was, wasn't supposed to. And I was doing way more than I was what I was supposed to do. And not just a little bit, but just, you know, a lot. And it just led me to great burnout because I wasn't seeking God in it. So maybe we could just take a few minutes to talk about burnout, how to avoid it, what it looks like, how can we identify it? Because maybe we aren't going to see it. I think a lot of times we're not going to see it in ourselves. We might see it in those around us though. And we might better be able to identify it in those around us. And, um, and then if somebody comes up to us and says, you know what, that's you, <laughs> you're burning <laughs> out, you're going to burn out. Maybe we yeah. can go, oh, you know, we were just, so Let's just talk about burnout a little bit. You know, the book that you and I were going to talk about first, but we decided to table it and do this one, uh, was the book called Lead by Paul David Tripp. Mm -hmm. And I think it is an excellent read for those who are in the position of second. So if you are um, in an, if, if you're in an executive committee role, for example, 
and you're watching your pastor or you're watching um, you know, the executive director of the PRC um, kind of going off the rails in, in terms of maybe not being a vision carrier or follower anymore. Or if you're seeing um, you know, um, opposition to uh, correction, for example. Um, if when you see those things, we are obligated to speak up, you know, and to help that person, not to condemn them, not to judge them, but to help them with gentle correction. Um, and so even though, like you just said, Mindy, you may not see that in yourself, I'm, I'm really encouraging those who are listening, if you're in a, if you're in a position of second or support, that you ask God for the words that will help you right the ship with, with your leader because they need you. Mm. I think you have those spiritual blind spots that you just will fall into and will not notice. We all and do. It is, yeah, it is so crucial to have somebody that you trust and love, that loves God, and that you know listens to Holy Spirit to kind of get you back on, on the right track or to tell you to just, you know, it's time maybe to sit down for a minute and, and catch a breath. Mindy, I don't know what your experience was like when you were going through it, though. I, I couldn't hear anybody. I couldn't listen to anybody. I didn't know. I would never have thought I was about to burn out ever. I thought I was fine because I was gone. I was so wound up. I just I couldn't see it, you know, and I was so far out of the will of God and what he wanted me to do. I, there's, I just couldn't see it. I was totally blind. So I had to literally crash and, um, you know, fall. Because, you know, I didn't start the pregnancy center, but I was there, you know, when it was pretty young and, um, and I spent a few years there and it was like, yeah, I felt like it was my baby. Right. I mean, I felt like I had that mentality and it wasn't, it wasn't, it's never any of ours. We just get the opportunity to be there, start them at any season of life and carry them on or move them forward or grow them up or whatever we're there for. But burnout, I did not recognize. And I would not have listened to, I will be honest, because of where I was. I wasn't seeking God. My my devotional time was gone. Mm-hmm. I um it's always the first thing that we give up. Mm-hmm. And if if we are holding to our leaders and we care about them, we're asking them what's your devotional time look like, you know, and we're asking them from the start because at the start was when their devotional time will probably be the most most vibrant. And that way that's our baseline, if you will. Right. So like, you know, I could spend an hour if I have maybe two, you know, spending with the Lord, if I have it. And, um, if I go on and, you know, a year down the road, it's like, well, I'm 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. Well, you know, you're still getting, you know, you're at least your hour. Right. But if I start telling you it's about 15, 30 minutes, there might be a problem, right? I'm getting too busy. I'm, I'm taking out the Lord before, um, anything else. And that's always the first thing to go. And I, I know in my mind, it was like, well, then, um, if I don't have, I don't have time for all this stuff. So I got to find time for this stuff. So I've got to take that time for this stuff, right? I got to take the Jesus time and use it for the, the tangible things that I can feel and see and do when the reality is, is God stretches our time. He's the one that gave us time and he can stretch it just like he did with, um, Moses or Joshua. Was it the battle? Was it Joshua in the battle? The sun stood still or was mm-hmm. that Moses? Who was that? 
Who remembers? Somebody does. It's listening. <laughs> anyway, um, one of those dudes was got the time stood still for him, you know, and I think it was Joshua. I think, I think you're right. I yeah. Think you're right. So God can order our time. He can expect, you know, we say, you know, stretch our money, you know, to where, you know, it doesn't make sense. God math kind of thing. Well, can we do the same thing with time? And, um, and we don't often pray for that. God just give me yeah. a supernatural amount of time that we need. And anyway, I, that's where I was totally out of alignment. So, and I'm one of those hard, strong, um, kinds of personalities that wouldn't have listened. Mm. And, you know, maybe that's another, maybe that's really the other um, indicator that you're nearing, you're possibly nearing burnout is when you're getting stubborn and not listening. That's true. That is so yeah. true. You know, you think again, I think again about what you were talking about with David and, um, you know, when, when, when Nathan presented to him his, his error, but he presented it in the story, you know, David, David was already unrighteous to, you know, convict and condemn the person that was <laughs> the perpetrator in that story until Nathan said, I'm talking about you, sir. You know, <laughs> and, and when David immediately repented. I think that is that goes a long way to correcting the burnout piece as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, when you, it, you you're praying that God doesn't have to bring you to your knees um, in a ball of tears, but if that's what it takes, then that's okay. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're gonna you're 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 gonna have to take that, but also know and acknowledge your part in that and repent, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that He can Absolutely. do a new thing. Do a new thing. Absolutely. I think the other thing too, Mindy, you mentioned that I think was really interesting is is when you see your leader's priorities shifting, you know, when, when, you know, it goes from God, family, ministry to ministry, 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 (laughs) and everything else is, you know, um, that's not what he wants for us. You know, Um, we're supposed to seek the the kingdom first. And so, and that's time with him. Jesus showed us that as an example. So I think that's another indicator as well, that your leader's about to go off the rails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you mentioned it. That's good. Family time getting crowded out. You know, that's the other thing that goes, you know, all of a sudden ministry becomes so important and it's really not because what's happening and at least what happened in my life. And, and I'm going to say others probably, I bet you others would agree is that ministry becomes the idol. It becomes the thing that you're serving mm-hmm. rather than the Jesus, the, the person that you're serving. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really And I think good. coming kind of full circle to where we started talking this conversation about painful attacks on our leadership, you know, where people are attacking, um, how we deal with the attacks. Mm-hmm. And are, the, are they really attacks or are they a Nathan coming saying, mm-hmm. you need point. to do this? So um, I think when we become very defensive quickly, that may be a symptom of uh, of the fact that we're hanging. This has become our kingdom. This is our territory. Uh, we're going to get defensive, or whether um, we are saying, "Okay, Lord, show me," you know, and just what you were talking about, Mindy, having that relationship with the Lord of of just taking it to Him, um, whether it's an attack or or a loving confrontation, um, kind of depends on our attitude, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Of, of how mm-hmm. we're receiving that word and are we uh, humble you mentioned that word Mindy humble enough mm-hmm. to to receive um, from someone else and to have people close enough to us that that will do that 
Yeah. You know what? That's so good. And that's what that book lead is all about. Cause I've been starting to read that book already. And whoo, if anybody wants to read a really good ministry book, like uh, Sylvia was talking about lead by Paul David Tripp, will do it. And, um, and that's true. Having that humility and having people around you that have the courage because they care more about you and they care about the ministry and they care about, you know, the people that are being served and going to be affected by your poor leadership or what's happening with you. And uh, yeah, powerful stuff. Good stuff. Good. Yeah. Well, we are at the end of our conversation today. This has been just a really good conversation. Um, I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. And uh, I hope you join us next time. We're going to look at chapter 18. Leaders are often unappreciated. This should get everyone's attention. <laughs> we'll see you then.